We are live, Neil. All right. Hello, everybody. Beautiful family. How is everyone today? So excited to be with you all. And this is um, Joan and myself back with our live streams that we were doing for quite some time. Uh, and then we stopped. And then we paused. And then we went into production mode of creating some epic events together. Um, Joan and I drilled out a lot. I was actually there on January 1st, 2nd, and 3rd of this year for three days. And we worked for like, what, like 12 to 13 hours a day. But even when we were sleeping, we were still working kind of thing, you know, where we were, we literally drilled out like a bunch of fully produced conferences and events. And um, so we've been focusing on that. We took a pause on the interviews for a while, just so that we could focus on our bigger picture plans of what we're doing and creating together. So here we are, we're back. And we're going to start having more guests on in the next few weeks. So we even have Barbara Lamb, we have Kathleen Martin, and beyond that, even others. But today, I'm excited to say that we are starting with an individual that I'm extremely excited to introduce to this platform that Joan is going to go into detail on her bio in just a bit. But I'll just give you this piece of information that um, I told you guys, but you're not probably not everybody knows this, but for the last couple of years, I've been helping out the IANS Association, which is the International Association for Near-Death Studies, which is a nonprofit that does an annual event, and they normally do it live and in person, but for the last two years, because of the world situation, they went online. So they employed Portal to Ascension to do the production, and within that, I was um, blessed to have met a lot of amazing people and connected with new information that I wasn't even aware of. And this, these events were like epic, like literally like four Zoom rooms simultaneously running like 10 hours a day for like three to four days. And on the second year, it was like five days. And um, so within that, there was a few people that I had to write down because I just needed to connect with them. Their energy was amazing. And um, really, it was an energetic connection from the beginning, actually, is the reason why I decided to write a handful of people down. And one of the individuals is the first person. This individual that you're going to speak to today and see today is the first person that I felt that energy with at the conference that I had to write her name down and bring her onto Portal to Ascension just to show you um, the amazing information that she shares and how beautiful of a person she is. And this is Christine Clawley. And I'm just going to hand it over to Joan first. Welcome, Joan. How you doing? Oh, my gosh. So first of all, Neil, just to be back online again, I did not, I knew how much I missed it. But now I really know. <laughs> I'm so excited to see everyone again. So this is great, guys. Good to see you. We are in transformational times. Just want to mention that. And we do transformational work here. All right. So we are going to be talking about mysticism, indigenous healing, and modern encounters with other dimensions. And our guest, Christine Clawley, you are going to love her. She is a near-death experiencer, a counselor, and a life coach who has worked in a variety of capacities, including providing counseling and support at community mental health centers, hospitals, prisons, inpatient eating disorder clinics, homeless shelters, and tele telephone crisis support. So she is currently working in private practice. She has a Jungian practice, an in-depth oriented practice to help clients heal from trauma which these days is really important. And she supports other individuals who've had near-death experience to help with their spiritually transformative experiences. So her history after she had a life-threatening disease at 24, 
she began her journey of self-healing, self-understanding through exploring various holistic techniques, including a mindfulness practice, meditation, yoga, self-hypnosis, and indigenous healing modalities. She has received many dreams and messages. She went into a coma, medically induced coma for a month. And upon awakening from this coma, she had her increased intuition, empathy, and increased frequency of lucidity and precognitive dreams, which have led her to research these topics. So we're just really excited to bring Christine on. We're going to be talking about her, her upcoming event, and also talking about some other upcoming events that we have ongoing at Portal to Ascension. So Christine, welcome. Welcome, Christine. Wow, thank you both so much. That was such a, a heartfelt introduction, and I just feel um, humbled to be here and have this opportunity, uh, yeah, to tell part of my story and hopefully inspire some others. So thank you both. This is so exciting. You know, I find when I hear other people reading my bio, that it actually really helps center to me, center me how other people see me mm. and what I'm doing. And I get renewed excitement about myself. <laughs> so, well, it's true, you know. So yep. Christine, I just love this, that, that modern encounters with other dimensions and your near-death experiences. Do you want to tell us how, like a little bit about how you ended up like really now doing this work? So, um, yeah, I, I love this opportunity to, to um, tell a little bit more about why I'm interested in these topics, how my spiritual journey began. And um, really, it, it, you know, goes back to, um, I'll just kind of start with, uh, let's see, around age 24, um, I was going through a very hard time in my life. So, you know, as a young person, I, um, I was, you know, had very vivid dreams. I was like a lot of children, had vivid imagination, grew up on a farm. And I did have parents that really kind of nurtured um, my, you know, philosophical and, and spiritual curiosity, which was great. But I found myself um, kind of caught between these two worlds or these two ways of being, you know, and um, you know, in the first world, it's it's a very, you know, uh, kind of right brain experience where I, I felt, you know, profoundly connected to nature, um, just this sense of, you know, aliveness. But then, you know, I'm sure as many people can resonate with this, um, going through the educational system in school, I learned to um, suppress my natural um, intuition. I became very left brain. Um, I learned to succeed in this system. I became kind of a type A person, if you will. And when I graduated from college, I, you know, was planning on pursuing higher education, maybe going into academia. Um, I was a double major in philosophy and psychology. But I was working and really feeling this sense of just, you know, feeling lost, feeling a sense of, you know, what direction do I go, feeling a bit hopeless, um, depressed, to be honest. And I would have these reoccurring nightmares. These were very vivid dreams where I, um, I, I felt like I was being strangled in my sleep. And I had these repeated reoccurring nightmares, very vivid for about six months. And um, 
the woman that appeared to me in these dreams was this um, indigenous looking woman with a lot of anger. I'll, I'll get into later what I think this meant on many different levels, but I would have this dream and I, I would wake up just feeling, you know, uh, kind of shocked, surprised, um, but I really didn't pay too much attention to it. Um, so about six months later, I became very ill. I was overworking myself um, and I thought I had the flu. And it was only two weeks I was without insurance. I went to the ER and I knew something was wrong. I knew in, in one way or another that this was serious and they basically sent me home. And I felt like that was a death sentence. Um, so I, I called my parents, I had them, you know, they lived in, in Colorado Springs. I was living in Boulder, Colorado at the time. They uh, took me to their home and I was in an altered state of consciousness for several days, just um, in a lot of pain. Again, knowing that something was wrong, but not being sure what was wrong. And, um, you know, during this time, I'm not sure how I stayed conscious and, and on this plane of existence, but I did. And then finally, this ring began to form around my neck. It all started with my throat. And all of a sudden this ring went down very quickly, very rapidly. And um, my heart started pounding and I had trouble breathing and I thought, this is it, you know, I'm, I'm going to die. My mom called an on-call nurse. I was going into septic shock. They rushed me to the hospital. And when they brought me in, I had had a collapsed lung. Um, the doctors went to do a tracheotomy. And when they made the first incision, they realized, wow, this is something very serious. Um, and they put me in a coma. Uh, and they realized I had necrotizing fasciitis otherwise known as the flesh-eating bacteria, which is a very um, life-threatening illness. Uh, normally when folks get this, if it's not treated immediately, they may have to amputate limbs, but this was in my throat and my chest. So obviously that wasn't um, an option. So while I, and, and I apologize if, you know, this is a bit too <laughs> upsetting for, no, no. but there is a happy, there is a, a lesson and there, there really is, um, profound spiritual lessons from going through this experience that um, I integrated. But um, I was put in a medically induced coma. Um, my dream, I had three big dreams, I remember, and these were dreams where it felt like I was living complete entire lifetimes. Um, uh, you know, there's one dream in particular, which I'll, I'll just talk about briefly. I I was um, an older Asian woman, maybe in my 40s, and um, was very depressed, kind of mirrors my state when I first had this illness. I was on this ship with other women, and we were human trafficking victims. And uh, we couldn't talk to one another. We couldn't, um, we couldn't look at one another. And I had this profound sense of self-loathing because I was now bringing other women onto this ship. And I knew this, the pain and suffering from this life, and I didn't want to do that. Now, there was this moment um, in this dream where this beautiful young girl walks up to me. We lock eyes, and it changes the whole atmosphere of the dream. Finally, there's this sense of hope of someone understanding my pain. 
And then everything changes from that point. And we begin not only making plans to liberate ourselves, but helping others. And so that that was a major transition um, in my, my healing. And later I learned that there were moments where I actually woke up from the coma, locked eyes with my sister. That's who this woman was in my dream. And I believe she's, you know, a major reason I, I decided to stay along with some other reasons. Um, but once I awoke from the coma, so once I woke from the coma, I was very confused. Um, I was having flashes of other, what I would consider past life or maybe other simultaneous lives. I'm not sure, you know, what framework um, to talk about that, but it was very overwhelming. Um, but I was left with this incredible will to live. Even though I was on a breathing tube, I could not talk, could not eat on my own, couldn't lift my head. And I never knew if I would ever be able to um, be a, you know, quote unquote, normal person again. So when I awoke, my parents uh, asked the doctors and they later said, you, your daughter had a 1% chance of surviving this, given where the infection was and the severity of it. So um, when I uh, woke up from that experience, um, you know, one part, the first step of the journey was physical healing. And I learned incredible lessons about this balance between putting in the effort, you know, to get better, but also letting go and surrendering. Um, Joan, were you going to comment? Well, I, I find this really fascinating. So I'm just yeah. like really <laughs> absolutely, and how it's leading to your work today. Yes. So, so the physical challenge was really the first step. You know, there, there were days where it was it was demoralizing. I tried to learn to breathe and then I had a heart attack because of the stress uh, my body had been through. I was down to 80 some pounds. I couldn't swallow to eat food and my voice was just a tiny whisper. So, you know, connecting with others, learning the, the importance and the value of voice. That's been a major theme throughout all of yeah. this. Um, but so in addition, once I began to heal and my the love and support from the nurses, the doctors, my friends, family, I mean, all of this meant so much. I could not have healed or and I would not be where I am without the help of all these people and and kind strangers. Um, so upon after regaining some strength, I found that I had these new abilities, um, heightened sense of intuition. I, I, it was like my boundaries had been uh, completely dissolved between myself and others. And I could just feel, you know, the pain or the suffering of others, or I could, I had, you know, very accurate intuitions about things that were going on with people that I loved. And then I also began having precognitive dreams, which made me feel like I was going crazy, to be honest. Mm. I I questioned, uh, you know, why this was happening. How could I possibly dream something and then see it occur in such incredible detail? So I began, this began my search, essentially. I felt incredibly drawn to Native American spirituality, um, philosophy, literature, uh, largely based upon some of the dreams I had, and then just this um, this intense, you know, curiosity and burning desire to 
to find answers, you know, to what I was experiencing. So this led me to, you know, uh, study shamanism, uh, find in some incredible teachers that I've been so lucky to find on my path. And it also led me to going to School of Pacifica um, in California, where I was able to uh, study Jungian psychology. And when I found Jung and realized, wow, there's a, you know, someone in this field who actually talks about these experiences and in a way that is meaningful, that doesn't pathologize these experiences. So, so this has been a main mission of my work is uh, depathologizing um, these types of experiences. Um, mm -hmm. Also exploring the gifts of trauma because people are so resilient. You know, this was such a looking from the outside in, this was such an awful experience, but without that experience, I would not be on the path that I am today. And I, I would never take it back because it's been so essential for my, my spiritual growth. And um, I actually celebrate, you know, every year the, the anniversary of, you know, this mm. the day I should should have died and passed into that realm. So wow. that's a little bit of yeah yeah thank you so much for sharing that did when you after this experience happened because you said you had some remembrance you saw yourself in a past life you saw yourself in multiple past lives right i believe multiple past lives yes did it did it continue happening or was that experience like the download of basically that activation and then after that you just went on exploration or are you continuing to get these downloads i believe that i continue to get these different kind of downloads and it's like I get a little bit more information, you know, each time and it's like fitting puzzle pieces together. You begin mm. to see more and more of a complete picture. And even now, um, I'm, I've made a connection with someone in Boulder who lived in the apartment um, that I lived in next door 20 years earlier. And we have discovered that we've had shared dreaming experience for many, many years. So it's not just, you know, individual uh precognitive right. dreams, but we're all connected somehow. And this is what really fascinates me. How, how does that work, the shared dream? So did you, were you just talking about your dreams to this person and they happen to have the similar dreams or same? So it's, <laughs> it's through synchronicity, but something which is a new term to me. And I believe um, Eric Wargo, he's written a book called Time Loops and Precognitive Dreaming. And he talks about a concept called calendrical resonance where certain events uh, with a similar theme seem to happen um, at these key times. So that was initially how we connected. And then when we began, because we both document our dreams religiously, uh, we began to see, oh my goodness, there's all of these incredible patterns. And it's like, you know, a web of connectivity. So mm. it's really fun. <laughs> That's pretty interesting. Uh, because that certainly is this interdimensional experience and, and um, like teaching about that. So do you teach about lucid dreaming? How do you do you teach about connecting within these interdimensional levels or recognizing them? Absolutely. So I am a, a licensed therapist and also a life coach. So uh, but again, my my lens is Jungian oriented, which means you know, the spiritual and um, the material world are connected, you know, and most, um, how do I say, 
most scientific or um, social science, um, but, you know, there's this clear division between the spiritual and the uh, material or that which is testable. But I try to, to blend these things if clients are open. Of course, I'm always respectful of clients' beliefs, but if they are open to this information, um, we do dream work, which is so profound. I mean, that that is your soul literally talking to yourself from a higher, wiser perspective. So the, the benefits are just incredible and it's, it's transformative. It's life-changing to finally open up to this information and, and yeah, use it. Is there a specific type of therapy that you do? And so is the therapy open for everyone and a lot of mainstream people that maybe aren't into the spiritual realm come and see you and then you just kind of sense the energy to see if they're open to go further and what what type of therapy is it exactly to absolutely so um i do a lot of mind body connection work so kind of somatic therapy um there's something called active imagination which is uh bringing the dream alive um, and and really kind of beginning to have a dialogue with these different figures, these different symbols that appear. I also encourage folks to look at dreams from, from multiple different perspectives. Um, I think there's different types of dreaming, some dreams that can be precognitive, some that can be inspirational, some can be warning. Um, other dreams, I, I do believe, are real um, experiences where our consciousness is interacting with other consciousnesses. Mm -hmm. So it really depends where the person is at. Um, but I, I love working with this types of this type of um, yeah dream work and um, spiritual connection. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like you're also working with people with near death experiences to help them. Uh, I, I mean, I can imagine the trauma of somehow waking up one day and discovering. You're hearing things. You're seeing things. You're, you're experiencing other beings. So I can imagine that that would be considered traumatic. To, I mean, I would. I want that to happen to me, but I can imagine that it's a little overwhelming. So that must be part of your work, then. Absolutely. So um, again, whether it be a near-death experience or traumatic experiences, um, whether it be, and this may sound strange, but you know, there, there's so much uh, childhood abuse, domestic violence. And mm -hmm. I, I do believe if we can, I mean, it's very important to honor the seriousness of, of those experiences. But if we can begin to look at the growth, the, the inner strength, the resiliency, the lessons, um, it, it's just profoundly healing for people. And I've, I've worked with... Um, you know, individuals who've had, um, yeah, psychotic episodes, which have not been, you know, spiritual or healing, but being able to understand the stresses that cause those types of, of breaks and mm -hmm. um, really being strength-based. I mean, I can't tell you how much that helps because so many of these systems disempower the individual by labeling them by saying you know you're mentally ill you're crazy but i don't think that language is appropriate because just because someone is having an experience that's a little bit different doesn't mean they don't have a right to talk about it to have a voice to function in society to get support 
So I, you know, I really do my best to honor all types of experiences. And when we do that, when we talk about and acknowledge the things that are difficult, uh, there can be incredible shifts that happen. I really believe in the power of telling our own stories, telling our experiences, owning them. That that shifts things so much to just uh, have a compassionate witness. Right. So, so, so let me ask you a question on that of telling the story. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, you know, as I've been in this spiritual community for quite some time, um, I've all, I've heard things like, you know, it's good to share your story. But then I also heard that you get to a point where if you should, you might be sharing the story and kind of reinforcing it. So is there a, a cutoff point of when you do not tell the story anymore? You know, I love that question. I love that question because I think it's it's like history, right? We think that history is, um, you know, or the past is static and we have a certain knowledge of this is the way it is. But maybe every time we tell a story or we change or evolve or tell it from a new perspective, mm-hmm. that changes the past in some ways. So maybe as we tell our stories, there's a shift in the narrative. There's a shift into empowerment or um, owning, you know, our maybe participation in something that was difficult. You know, in many cultures, they talk about shamanic initiation and that that often involves some degree of, you know, pain, danger, um, facing fears, uh, intentionally, you know, surrendering to suffering. And the, these things can, uh, you know, again, widen our perspective, uh, increase our sense of compassion and empathy. So love that question. But I would I would I want I guess I want to say stories are dynamic. They're mm-hmm. always changing. And so paying attention to, yes, am I yeah, telling the yeah. same story with just, you know, the same language and it feels dead? Or is there something more to it? Is there an aliveness to it? Yeah. I'll add to that real quick is that because I kind of felt what I was saying was the reality of it all like you share until you don't share but now I kind of shifted it from what you just said because I feel that it's almost that um once you're like healed from it or have some sort of healing you can share it to inspire and help others understand the traumas and how you trend you know how you shift it out of them right it doesn't have to be emotionally triggered right Right. it becomes a teaching lesson Mm -hmm. in a sense because that's what your story is. It's, it's become. A, it's also a teaching lesson for all of us in what's possible. Now, I know you teach a lot about this too, right? We have an upcoming event that you're going to be sharing a lot of your wisdom and your research. Yes. And let me pull up the event page and if you want to go into it a bit. Yeah, we want to hear kind of a little bit about what we're going to expect on this. Okay, absolutely. Thank you. So... Um, What I'm attempting to do with this lecture is show that there is this common thread uh, throughout time, history, across cultures, where a direct experience of the spiritual or of the the numinous or these other worlds is not only sought, but possible and experienced. And um, we are living in a time right now where scientific materialism dominates our thinking. If science doesn't test and prove, if I can't see, feel, touch it, it it doesn't exist. But what's so interesting is, you know, we are living in a kind of renaissance in a way where 
uh, people are having near-death experiences, spiritually transformative experiences. Um, they're, they're, you know, science is also recognizing that potential healing power of psychedelics. So there is um, this recognition that there is something more, that you can't discount all of these right. uh, individuals' experiences. And with that kind of paradigm shift, we're beginning to look at the past uh, I think differently. And so there's all these traditions uh, who, you know, it's almost as if, you know, I was just talking about storytelling. And when a story becomes so literal that we're just focused on, you know, the the descriptions, um, the rules, the dogma, it, it does in a sense kind of lose its spirit. It loses that um, that life to it. But when we look back at some of these other religions, spiritual traditions with different consciousness perspective or eyes, you begin to see, you know, the universal messages and these common themes. And so what I'm attempting to doing to do is um, talk about, yeah, shamanism, the Greek mystery schools. Um, uh, let's see, um, you know, Eastern religions. Uh, let's see. Um, and then, you know, also another important thing, which I don't think is talked about enough, the pitfalls of the spiritual search. So in the second part of the lecture, I'm going to go through, uh, well, the first part, I'm going to go through the history. The second part, I'm going to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, inflation, the God complex or Messiah complex. And I'm not immune from these things either after I had my experience and, found I had some of these abilities, you know, you kind of wonder like, gosh, what, what's huh. happening? And certainly we all do have, you know, God or the divine within us, but how can that distort the search? How can that be a stumbling block? And then how do you, how does one begin to, you know, connect with others who are also on the spiritual search? Because obviously there's so much to learn from, from, you know, listening to others and, and hearing about others' experiences. But again, when we get into these rigid organizations or kind of pyramidal structures of authority, the message seems to get lost again, and then we're stuck in these same power dynamics. So that's what the second part of the lecture is going to talk about a little bit, and then we'll do some experiential exercises as well. You know, I, I really like how you're pointing out that we live in this, quote, logical mentally oriented time and yet the only approach for peace harmony balance is from this intuitive shamanic interdimensional lucid awakening it's a it's such a personal like we have to come back down to this personal place inside of us to be part of this global awakening mm -hmm. Absolutely. And Jung talked about the anima and animus. So, you know, the inner feminine and inner masculine in all of us. And, you know, we've been living in this world that obviously is a little bit uh, overvaluing, you know, the masculine. And we do need a balance. We do need a recognition of, you know, those feminine qualities are just as important for both men and women. Um, and Jung also talked about when we're too focused in the left brain logical, um, you know, linear that we lose a sense of wonder, a sense of mystery, but also, right. you know, yeah, a part, a 
part of our soul in a way because there is so much more and um yeah yeah <laughs> that's true that. <laughs> yeah i really like what you said about the whole messiah complex because it's mentioned in like when people are hanging out with each other and they're probably speaking about someone but to speak about the actual phenomena if you will that is occurring and that's i've, I've witnessed that in plant medicine experiences too you know because when you're told you're god you can go one of two ways <laughs> well it so, is true it yeah. is true and i've had the same experience where i i woke up in a vision that i realized that i had violated spiritual law and i found myself an untouchable in india for many lifetimes out of that uh, ego egoic experience of oh my god i'm god you know and so it's all in the way we learn how to handle our connections mm. yes and, and integrating can be extremely hard i mean yeah. my experience was 14 years ago but i'm still integrating and looking at, at that experience through different eyes so right yeah right because it's a lifetime process and you were born for this is what you were born for all of those experiences the disease that you had the injury you know that the the condition was all meant to bring mm -hmm. you right here today on our show to talk about how we can help people understand their own awakening mm -hmm. basically in their own connection so there's a, there's many ways to get to this place the the this interdimensional connection without plant medicine but um, do you talk about that as one of the ways also Yes, I mean, for thousands of years, uh, indigenous cultures have have known, uh, you know, right. had an intimate relationship with different kinds of medicines. And obviously, again, there's pitfalls with anything and potential for abuse and addiction. Uh, but there are absolutely yeah, other ways that are um, just as profound and powerful and meditation, self hypnosis is one uh, active mm -hmm. dream work. Um, I'm big into the, pra I would call it a practice of synchronicity or, you know, uh, conscious dreaming while you're awake, which is paying attention to the different um, unique experiences that show up in your life and having kind of a dialogue with, you know, what what is um, coming up in me? What am I feeling? What is this, you know, trying to reveal or show to me? And I truly feel honored to be a counselor because um, I do consider it sacred work, you know, being completely present with another human being, um, you know, allowing them to, to talk about their experiences in a safe place. And I am just as much changed and touched mm. by, you know, their experiences and their healing as they might be me. So it's really been just incredible. I feel really yeah, lucky yeah. to be doing what I'm doing. Definitely. And then the trust that they put in you, right, to because a lot of in therapy, a lot of these a lot of individuals may have not shared these stories with anyone else, even the close people to them. So they're really putting a lot of trust and vulnerability in you. And you right. have to honor that. Right. Absolutely. Right. Mm -hmm. And probably they don't get recognized, Neil, by their family or friends right. who are freaked right. out there, yeah. by their sudden awakening. <laughs> that looks like they're in you know they're loony as opposed to the fact that they're really tapping into so i think there's so this sounds like a very exciting event i'm i'm yes. really excited that you're presenting in that kind of way for all of us as a guide right and let okay. me just tell everybody really quick how to get there you oh yeah portal to ascension.org mm -hmm. i shared the event page 
And um, so what we're talking about here is we're talking about Christine's life and her journey, and then also um, mysticism and other dimensions and basically shaman, shamanistic information that she's kind of um, acquired, researched, and delved deep into since her awakening and her NDE experiences. So if you're interested in signing up for the event, go to portalsrescension.org, go to online events, and it's like the fourth or fifth one down. It's on the first page. Mysticism, it's called Mysticism, Indigenous Healing and Modern Encounters with Other Dimensions, and that's on March 6th. So go ahead and check that out right there. Um, and we'll I want to point out, bit. Yeah. so yes, go and sign up right there. We're in the time of Pisces. Mm-hmm. So I just have to tell you as a Pisces and Tina is a Pisces, this is really exciting. To, this is our realm of, of that Piscean consciousness. So and, I, oh, go, oh, ahead. Go, ahead. go ahead, Christine. I had another question, but go ahead and comment first. Well, I was just going to say on that note too, you know, it's so interesting. I mean, this time that we're living in, it just seems like on so many different levels, you know, socially, economically, environmentally, technologically, it's kind of like we're beginning to see how how much we're connected and the full consequences of what we're doing. And even though it may look like this is a hopeless situation and we can't turn this around, um, I really challenge that mm-hmm. kind of thinking because it's an incredible opportunity, us facing our, you know, this existential reality of, you know, we need to collectively evolve, realize we're all one and connected, or, you know, there is gonna be um, potentially more death and suffering. We, we have, you know, the power to destroy the world how many times over with our arms. We, if we can collectively understand that, I mean, I, I, I think, I believe in humanity, I believe, and individuals, and I, I believe that this time is really waking us up to how much we all are connected, not yes. only with each other, but with the earth. And this is a powerful time. It's, it's. I can understand people feeling afraid and scared, but there's incredible lessons to be gained. And this can be a really beautiful time of people coming together and embracing these ancient, you know, this ancient wisdom. Yes, yes. You're so no, you're so right. And and you know, I've been telling people we are in the grand initiation. You either at these are the times for which we're born. This is, you know, not this is true. And it's our grand initiation and we have an opportunity mm. to either freak out and descend or really call in the powers and so that we came here for. Right. And right. so I love that, you know, you're teaching those skills that really help us go inside because that's where the answers are. They are not out here. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm very grateful you had your awakening and in a way grateful that you had all those those experiences. And that's for all of us. These Every experience that got us here is mm-hmm. part of our, our transformation. In the and earth. we all have a different part of the puzzle. You know, we're all incredibly special and powerful yet everyone, you know, is equal and everyone has their own uniqueness and and beauty and power. You know, it's interesting because like I went through some hardcore traumas that I would not want anybody to go through, any child to go through. That literally is the reason why I created Portal to Ascension. And I didn't even know uh, for the first like 10 years, the first like seven, eight years of doing Portal to Ascension, I wasn't even really aware why I created it. It was just like, oh, I'm curious. I want to know what the root of everything is. 
But then I started realizing that I was just on a journey to find out a modality that will help me heal the traumas that I had acquired. And as I did that, I started creating events, exploring it. And it wasn't just events on experiences, but it was also understanding our ancient history. So, um, which is very paradoxical because part of it is um, being present, how to be present in this moment and enjoy life for what it is and enjoy the fact that you exist. And I like to say this a lot. How do we love ourselves for the fact that we exist rather than what we do? Right. right. Like, right. whoa, like we, we always like I for a long time <laughs> held a lot of love and appreciation for myself because of what I've created. But I would love to just love myself whether I create or not, you know. So well, and the paradox is we're learning from our history and indigenous wisdom to get the tools to be present in this moment. <laughs> right. Right. And to see that we're not our bodies. You know, this is just a bodysuit, Neil. We, we're a collection of, of atoms and, and soul energy that took on these bodies to entertain, like to really do what we came here to do. Mm -hmm. So interesting. Well, I like the body that each of you chose and the one <laughs> I chose. It's like, okay, let's acknowledge our souls knew what it was planning to do when we got here and picked even the most perfect bodies, families, health, you know, the, the whole thing that's been set up for each of us to do it. So guys, I'm, I'm just excited that, so I love going interdimensional. I love what you're doing, the concept of it. And guys, it's coming up very, very soon. So make sure you really go and sign up for the event. You don't want to miss what Christine has to say. I do have another question. I want to go back to something that we spoke about earlier. And then let's talk about the NDE conference as well. Oh, right yeah. Now, before we close out. But you talked about dreams earlier, and I heard something there, and I wanted to ask you. Um, you were talking about what is your own consciousness or like subconscious as opposed to what is actual messages and interactions or even a past life experience, right? So are there tools to help decipher that? And do you do that with people? Oh, that's a great uh, question. Um, or it could be intuition too. I, I always, you know, again, being a therapist, I just want to recognize there there is um, there are power dynamics and Often people are looking to me to answer a question. And my goal is to try to give that power back to that person and reflect back so that they can find that, that inner wisdom themselves because it's so much more powerful when we are the ones who discover it, mm -hmm. right? Rather than someone just giving it to us. So I can certainly hold space and, and there's different ways certainly different tools, I think, um, in terms of discerning. And I think that involves, um, you know, body awareness, our emotions, our powerful tools for so long, too long. We've pathologized emotions, especially in the West, you know, be strong, be stoic, or just be happy all the time. And if you have any other emotion that's wrong or negative and just, you know, um, don't look at that, but no, these emotions, if we can just be with them, uh, you know, the, the sadness, the anger, whatever it is, will reveal, you know, a message. What is it I'm truly angry about? Can I listen to that? Can I be compassionate with what it is that I'm feeling? Because um, every, that's, I guess, the, the message I want to bring. Every experience has lessons of learning. And I do think that this earth is a school and we're trying to learn, you know, to, to love and 
you know, to be human beings, you know, and kind of detach. I love what you said, Neil, from this idea that we have to prove ourselves or we have to be productive and, you know, uh, work this hard or have this kind of status because ultimately that that's empty. And I think a lot of people are waking up to that fact. And that's a gift of the times we're living in that people are wanting more, you know, they are reflecting on, well, you know, what, what if my life were, um, were to end tomorrow, would I be happy? Or am, are there things that I'm not saying to my loved ones? Is there more than that I want to do than what I'm doing now? Um, mm-hmm. And I just think, yeah, this is a really powerful time individ- on the individual and collective level. Definitely. Yeah. All right. So, John, should we go into talking about the NDE conference now? All right, let's do I it. I want to hear about it. Okay, okay, let's do it. So um, firstly, let me just say again to all the people just tuning in now, and I also want to say hello to everybody on our podcast, because this is also right. going on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, a bunch of other places. And I want to acknowledge all of you watching on these platforms, because I really appreciate it. If you want to see the video, always come to the YouTube. And to everybody on YouTube, if you can go to the Portals Ascension radio um, podcast on iTunes or whatever, and leave a comment and review us we'll get seen by more people i really need some support in pushing that platform and getting out to to the masses so you can do that on any of your um, podcast platforms so not only are we talking about this event that's coming up on march 6th which is next weekend or week oh week from today exactly a week from today with yes yep that's going to be amazing and in case you didn't hear me in the beginning i connected her with her at the narrative experience conference i was helping produce and really tuned into her energy and just wanted to create with her. So not only are we doing this event together, but she's also going to be on the first ever NDE ADC conference on Portal to Ascension. And I'll tell you what that is in just a second here. Um, and if you could help me pull this up in a moment, Tina, let's do this. So I wanted to create a conference on NDCs and ADC, uh, NDEs and ADCs for quite some time. And what that is is near-death experiences and after-death communication. And I've just never really had the um, the energy to put it together. Well, I've had the energy. I just haven't had the bandwidth because I'm creating all these other productions of deeply esoteric awareness. And uh, But then I've been following this very closely and obviously working with IANS for two years. And the third year, I'm working with them this year too. We're probably going to be in Salt Lake City. Hopefully it's a live event. We'll be doing it there as well. Um, so I've been just like acquiring a lot of information editing videos of like 60 people with like one to three hour presentations every single year, um, you're bound to pick up on some of this information, you know? So as I did that, I felt that it was time to put one of these events on Portal to Ascension. Plus I've also been following the mainstream media and now the mainstream media has been completely um, agreed with the fact that NDEs exist and mainstream scientific research studies, I forget the number, but it was a certain number out of every 10 um, NDEs are actually verified by clinic, like in, in a clinical setting and in um, with peer-reviewed scientists saying that these individuals are having out-of-body experiences when they have their NDEs, they're seeing things that they shouldn't, they're uh, meeting their loved ones, they're seeing their bodies when they're completely out cold. There was even a whole segment on CBS about it. Mm-hmm. And now it's become this whole thing that Consciousness is no longer in the in just in the brain. They completely realize that consciousness is beyond our minds and our brains. And this isn't just within the spiritual esoteric community. NDE awareness 
ADC communicate after death communication has completely been adopted by the mainstream over the last two to three years. And it's getting to a point where this is just going to be the norm for the next generation that this happens. And as this happens and we start getting some of these um, um, stories and testimonies out of what is occurring, what is the next step? It's just going to give us a, a larger awareness of who we are, what we are and what we're doing on this planet and how we interact with these other dimensions. So that was a long explanation of basically getting to what I'm showing you here, which is the first ever psychology, science, and evidence behind after-death communication and near-death experiences. And this is a free event because I want to get it out to people and really want to ride the wave of having everybody understand that this is real. So not only can you sign up for the Zoom room, register by donation, but we're going to be live on like three different YouTubes, five different social media accounts. So we're going to have hopefully thousands of people tuning into this event. And I'm just going to read from this and I want to give it over to Christine so you can kind of share what you're going to be talking here, uh, talking about. And I'm going to take a moment to read from this just because it kind of really brings it all together. So join us for this deep dive exploration in which we'll explore after death communications and near death experiences from psychologists, psychologists, researchers, experiences themselves. This all day event will shed light on this phenomena. Someone who has an after-death communication will see, hear, or feel the presence of a deceased friend or relative in their own space. These ADCs are unassisted and spontaneous, not involving psychics, mediums, or therapists. The communication experience is one of comfort and often ending the pain from the loss. NDEs are triggered during singular life-threatening episodes when the body is injured. About one in 10 patients, here it is, about one in 10 patients with cardiac arrest in a hospital setting undergo such an episode. Thousands of survivors of these harrowing touch-and-go situations tell of leaving their damaged bodies behind and encountering a real a realm beyond everyday existence, unconstrained by the usual boundaries of space and time. These powerful mystical experiences can lead to permanent transformation of their lives, scientific American. Wow. This is like mainstream, guys. Mainstream. You know? So let me just show you who's going to be here. Of course, Christine will be there, Robert Schwartz, uh, Mark Anthony. Rebecca Austin Clausen, Rosemary Thornton, um, Jan Holden, Serena Baptista, and Dr. Marin Helen Hensley, all of which I was introduced to because I had the opportunity to work with the IONS Association. And so, yeah, please do not only go ahead and sign up for this event that we're talking about, the mysticism event on the first page of the online events on Portal to Ascension, but if you go to the next page, this will be there too. And this is a free event for all of you to attend. So let's I think that's fantastic. I'm very excited. About, you know, I'm very excited about it because it's a different group of kind of speakers coming from the psychological other perspectives and validating what many of us experiencers have known forever. Mm -hmm. So I, I really like that. I think you're we're bringing the, both those worlds together. Listen, when mainstream is talking about the near death experiences and being able to connect with your departed loved ones. We, we have a new paradigm here on the planet, exactly. right? Ascension 101 is happening. Right. So, so Christine, why don't you tell us what, what you think about this topic, right? And then what you're going to speak on. Well, it just fills my heart uh, to hear you read uh, the description and how, you know, just like you said, Joan, these two different uh, perspectives are meeting in the middle. They're coming together. They're validating each other. And... I've had so many, you know, clients have experiences, um, incredible experiences of, yeah, after death communication, 
uh, dreaming of loved ones. I, I had a personal experience, a very profound experience where I uh, experienced a shared crossing of a very close dear friend of mine that was life transforming. Um, I do have spontaneous experiences. And again, some people who are very skeptical would, you know, of course, disagree with the legitimacy. But when someone has an experience like that, it's almost always incredibly meaningful, healing. And so again, looking looking at what is the consequence? What is, um, what follows these type of experiences? And um, it's really important to acknowledge them and, and uh, you know, listen to what people are saying rather than trying to you know, discount anything that doesn't fit in line with this narrow theory of reality. I think we're beginning to expand, you know, our concept of reality, the universe, consciousness, and this is going to open up, uh, you know, so many things. Um, so very exciting time. And uh, I'll be bringing in, yes, yeah, some of my uh, personal experiences, some of the research I've done, um, and, you know, hopefully bring some tools to people to, to begin to open up and, and, you know, connect with their loved ones. So excited for this. Um, Me too. I'm extremely excited for this. Actually, I can't even really begin to tell you because it's just like, it's just a phenomenal situation that's occurring right now. And someone told me this the other day, because for a long time in my awakening, I've been waiting for big milestones of jumping in awareness. And um, someone said to me that, well, things that we're coming out with now, like let's talk about UFOs and extraterrestrials existing, for example, NDEs and awareness. It's just going to be, it's just coming out now that everybody that is being, being born, incarnated in this moment, is their normal, right? Just just like um, yes, we the internet, I mean, a lot of people that are over, like a little older than me and beyond, they were around when there was no internet. And it wasn't like all of a sudden something changed, even though it happened in a short period of time, every single year just became the new normal that they in, implement into their life. So I really feel that because this is coming out now and, and it's going to be spoke about in a regular, on a regular basis, that the next generation doesn't need some sort of milestone awakening in regards to it. It will just be in the textbook. It'll just be what we know as how our world exists. Absolutely. And I mean, just to think, you know, even 10 years ago, people who, yeah, tried to speak about you know, having a UFO experience or, uh, you know, after death communication or, you know, psychic intuitions in the mainstream media, these people were laughed at, called crazy, criticized. I mean, there's been this um, kind of bullying, uh, judgmental um, tone, you know, that the media kind of took on with anything outside this very narrow range of what's yes. acceptable. And look how far, yeah, we've come. People can talk about these experiences. Mainstream news is paying attention and reporting. People, you know, on the insides of, of all different industries and fields are finally feeling like, okay, I can talk about this and I'm not going to lose my job or this isn't going to mm -hmm. compromise my reputation. And I, I think, you know, we're a better society for being able to openly have all kinds of discussions. I mean, this this is what helps us learn and grow and evolve is honoring all different types of experiences rather than saying, no, that can't be right. You must be crazy. Um, that's gaslighting. So instead looking at, well, why, you know, why is this happening? What's behind this phenomena? 
Um, so it's really exciting. Very exciting. And especially given what's going on in the world outside today, these tools of really being able to have our own source of wisdom and information that is only process, you know, comes from our own higher self or, or our guides is really, I, I just, I just think that it's the only way to really understand what's going on and handle and be part of the solution and not the problem. Yeah. I love what Omar said right here. My kids have not known the earth without humans being in space. Yeah. So. Oh my God. <laughs> that is so interesting. But humans were never in space when I was born. Yeah. I never even thought of that. Well, that, right. Okay, Omar, mind boggling, new paradigm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and empathy. I mean, I think all of us is really forcing us to expand our sense of identity, to be able to empathize, empathize with someone who looks different, speaks a different language, lives in another country. That's the other benefit of the internet. We are, you know, I mean, there, of course, there's pitfalls, you know, again, with anything, but it's an incredible opportunity for us to, um, yeah, increase our ability to empathize with others, to identify with the whole human family rather than just my, you know, immediate clan. Mm -hmm. So the whole human family lives on this planet earth. And it's amazing that we're able to all come together from all places on the planet to talk about just shifting, stepping into our own power, going into these realms, the veils are thin. So this is a perfect time to be of service to this beautiful planet we live in. Definitely. So we're going to close out in a few. And Joan, when we close out, do you want to just set a collective intention with for us as we, you know, as yes, we close let's set it but yes. let's uh, let's ask Christine, do you want to share anything else about your work? I know you said you're doing an ongoing documentary, your website where people can connect with you. Sure. Um, my websites are lucidawakening.com. That's where I have my coaching and counseling business. And then circlinghawkproductionswithanas.com uh, gives a little bit of information about the synchronicity uh, documentary that I'm working on as well. So thank you. And I hope you join me uh, for, yeah, next weekend, uh, that lecture, and then the Near-Death Experience Conference. And just thank you both so much again for inviting me on. This has been really wonderful to be a part of this, and I'm so grateful for the work that both of you are doing as well. Happy thank to you. have you, Christine. Mm -hmm. This is really exciting, and, and that's what Ascension's about, you know. It's us coming together and sharing all this awareness so we can uplift humanity and truly be, remember who we are, and then truly step into the power that we all have, you know? It's true, mm -hmm. very, very true. What else are we showing? Um, that's it, did you guys see the, I just showed the website, did you guys see that? Perfect. Up? Yeah, cool. So guys, you you now know where you can register, but let's, let's kind of take a moment and take a deep breath in and let it out. And again, I'm taking a deep breath in and letting it all out. And as we breathe out, letting go of anything that stands in the way of us remembering who we are, of us connecting with our higher self, with our interdimensional guides, with our departed loved ones, 
Let's let go of anything that keeps us from experiencing the higher frequencies of love as we collectively step into this portal of ascension, this portal of, of transformation, this portal of opening up those curtains and having unlimited potential, unlimited possibilities and doing that which we came here at the planet to do. Mm. So we ask for remembrance, awakening and healing. And so it is, and we'll see you all at this upcoming event. So it is. Thank you so much, Christine. Appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you, Christine. We love you. Wow. So, Neil, that was really powerful. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm excited for her to be on multiple events of Portal Dissension. And let me just say, since we're still on, we have a lot of new people coming up, guys. Um, on YouTube and different events at the Portal Dissension Conference, which is a free one coming in April. And then Joan and I are doing, you want to go ahead and mention those events we're doing, Joan? Well, first of all, we have ET races, ET races, planets, and technology, which March was 26. another part of Neil's consciousness. Now he's saying, okay, I want to know more about how they're traveling and really what the planet looks like and, and the concrete, like more concrete information. So we have that coming up soon, the end of, the end of March, mm -hmm. March 26th, I think. We have the, the three-day online conference, right? That's free. And the day yep. after that, guys, I am doing an event on intuition. Intuition is your superpower. Because what's been coming to me is that when we all came in at the beginning of time, the beginning of our soul travel on this planet, we were given a clipboard, an assignment of some of the things we're to do. And when I teach this class, we're going to re reawaken your memory to what's on that clipboard, that assignment, that role that you, you know, we say you were born for this. This is the time for your, you know, this is your time. Well, your instructions are encoded right within you. So in that class, Neil, we're going to talk about it. Yep. And then we also have the Crystal Skulls Conference and the Kundalini Online Conference that are things that Joan and I are working on together. A bunch of amazingness too, but just go to portal2ascension.org. Check out the online events there, and um, there's a lot available, so do check it out. And if you haven't signed up to portal2ascension.org, you can just go there, sign up on the homepage, and you get a username and password emailed to you, and you get access to 3,000 hours of free presentations on so many different topics with amazing speakers, sorted very efficiently by speaker and topic and all that, and you also get updates on what we're doing. So check it out, portal2ascension.org. Love you all. <laughs> and you know what's amazing, Neil? You continue, yeah. like you may have 3,000 hours right now, free hours, but you continue to do all sorts of events that yeah. just awaken consciousness for people. Yeah, and I've been saying 3,000 hours for the last six months, so it's more like 3,500 now, you know? But well, I was, I was I trying to like let everyone you. know that it's massive, <laughs> the amount yeah. of material that, that we're coming out with all the time. Right. And guys, there's, you can there's find 10, me hours. Of, let me just say this because then you got me on one. There's 10,000 hours of presentations altogether, and there's three around 3,500 that you get immediately by signing up. So there's a lot of content. It is a one-stop shop for consciousness. That is the download that I got is to create a one-stop shop for not only the awakening of people that are just waking up now, like, oh, my God, I've been lied to, or, oh, my God, I'm a spiritual being. Let me figure out more. Go to Portal Ascension. Start from scratch. Learn. Or you're a next level teacher of this new paradigm. Go to Portal to Ascension. Take your um, your awareness to the depths of the intellectual understanding and the spiritual experience. 
so that you can be the teacher that you know you're destined to be for this age that is now emerging. Right. You know, and that's the whole key. So guys, if you go to my website, joanofangels.com, I have a free ebook uh, all about how to live your soul, how to wake up to your soul filled purpose, which is what we're talking about. All of this, by the way, it's so funny. I feel like a promo here, but if, if I think about why you started Portal to Ascension, Neil, like it was all to answer all of your questions. So now we have 10,500 hours of questions. So I'm just excited. Guys, we're very, I'm excited to be part, to, to be helping out here. So this is good. And we have, we're going to be back in two weeks on our interviews back on Tuesdays around three o'clock Pacific. Every two weeks, we'll be doing our interviews and, let, and introducing you to upcoming speakers on Portal to Ascension. Mm -hmm. Love you all. Yeah. Love you all. See you next time. Bye. Bye for now.